0: Welcome to The Kegel Room, a podcast for women of color to learn all the things you didn't learn about pelvic health, from sex to childbirth, pain, fitness, and then some. I'm your host, Dr. Camille Siegel, a licensed pelvic floor physical therapist. Let's get right to it. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Kegel Room with your host, me, Dr. Kenil Siegel. And today I'm sitting down with Dr. Shalay Foster. Just to give you a little background information on her, she works at the Center for Pelvic Wellness at Penn Medicine Princeton Medical Center here in New Jersey. She specializes in pelvic floor PT and she treats men, women, and children. And today we are talking about poop (laughs) (laughs) so welcome chalet welcome thanks for coming on today
1: oh thank you so much canil for having me i'm so happy to be on the kegel room girl this is everything thank you again for the invitation
0: you are so welcome now (laughs) i felt like we had to have a conversation about constipation because Mm.
1: this is your thing it's your shit literally right it's my shit it really is my shit and i i tell my patients that without saying it in those terms but i feel comfortable with this condition and treating it with patients (laughs) Right.
0: So there's a lot of information to share. There's a lot to know. And there's a lot that people just don't know. So I feel like it's really important that we have to get this information out because believe it or not, people are going to be like, what? You treat constipation in pelvic Mm. floor PT? Of course we do. So we're going to be talking all about that. So let's start with the basics. How do you define constipation?
1: Okay, so in terms of telling my patients and even just the general public, constipation, it's a telltale sign that you have it if you're straining and you've got harder, lumpy stools or you feel like you aren't really able to empty your bowels. So you go, maybe you pinch off your load a little too soon and you feel like there's something still in there. Um, Yeah, this is a big deal. That's a big sign of constipation. Not only that, if you're feeling like you're blocked. So you go to have your bowel movement and it's just something, you know, blocking you from getting it out. And that's what it feels like. That's what people describe to me. Um, Bigger than that, it's in extreme cases, people are having to manually manipulate themselves. So that means they have to stick their finger up there to get the poop out. And like in their anus. Yes. And their anus, or you can even, we call that term splinting. You can Mm use your finger. If you have a vagina into the vaginal canal and push from a different direction or that spot between the anus and the vagina, um, to push the stool out. That's an extreme case. I have patients who have to do that on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So all of those, components not to mention having bowel movements less than three times a week are going to constitute a diagnosis of constipation
0: mm-hmm. so, so less than three times a week right is it yes. possible for someone to be constipated and go every day
1: oh absolutely you know those are the the tricky ones hmm there are people that are having, I'm not constipated. I have a bowel movement every, every day. Every day. Yep. I hear it too. Mm-hmm. I Why couldn't
0: possibly you know? be constipated. I go yeah. every day. I well. go every day. So what do you tell them?
1: So I tell them that constipation could be hiding behind the fact that you're pooping every day. So if you're still feeling like you haven't emptied or you're having bloating, right? Or abdominal pain and your, your stomach is really distended um, or you're having gas, um, that's a that's a pretty telltale sign that hey there's something going on in your system that's not allowing you to let everything out. In in the more extreme cases, people are having even having fecal incontinence, a little bit of seepage, because the poop has to get out some way. So it's just going around that mass of poop that you're not really able to fully get out.
0: Now I I know that's the thing with kids. It's very yes. common with kids, but we'll talk mm-hmm. about that later. Mm-hmm. But do you also see that being the case with adults too? like it's deepening out okay
1: oftentimes i'm asking um, because
0: honestly i don't treat constipation as often as you do it's more like it's your thing it's not mine
1: (laughs) Um, i feel like i do see it more often with children fecal incontinence we call that encoparesis um however it's common in adults too but not as common to me uh, that i see i see those adults that have fecal incontinence because of weakness or Mm -hmm. control and they have issues with urgency. So it's sending them to the bathroom a little bit faster.
0: Okay. But if it's because of constipation, I can absolutely see why someone would say, I'm not constipated. I go every Mm -hmm. day and I even have accidents. Mm -hmm. It's a telltale sign of constipation.
1: Absolutely.
0: Okay. So how often should you be going? Is daily okay? Twice a day, three times a day?
1: yeah so daily is great um even up to three times a day it would be within normal limits um you can even push the envelope and say some people that are going every other day it's okay because digestion can vary from um 24 to 72 hours that it takes for the food to really go through your system and then every time you eat you just push down a little bit more but it, it varies but if you're going less than three times a week that is a symptom of constipation and people need to know that it's a bigger symptom, even though we talk about you exactly. <laughs> potentially going every day and still. You know. Yes,
0: yes, yes. Well, there, I guys. feel guys. Like people definitely <laughs> need to know about the time because I will say that I've known several people, family members, I'm calling them out, <laughs> mm-hmm. who go less than three times a week and they're like, yeah. but that's that's my normal. And I'm like, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean it's normal. Yeah, mm-hmm. we just blew someone's mind right now. Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> Sound Sorry. So someone comes to you with constipation. Okay. In the clinic, what what does that look like?
1: How are you treating it? Mm. So treatment is there's levels to this shit. Excuse mm-hmm. me. It's really levels to a girl because <laughs> it's so important for people to know that education is a big. Portion and behavioral strategies and lifestyle changes can be the first step. And often, for people that are having constipation that's not complex, a quicker fix if you mm-hmm. or behavior. So, um, I always like to tell my patients the good pillars of digestion are drinking your water, having fiber, exercise, how your organs move, which we can't control, but also stress. So, if I dive into a little bit deeper for each Mm -hmm. of the components, I give my patients a little recommendation for their water. So, at least half of your body weight in ounces should be your total daily fluid intake. And I really want it to be at least 60% of that to be water. Okay. Um, And it might change varying on your activity level. If you're pregnant, ladies, you know you have to drink a little bit more fluid so that. You know, that goes to the development of the ducts and, and milk and lactation, uh, or if you're a high-level athlete, you might have more demand for water as opposed to if you're more sedentary or not very active. Um, but a good rule of thumb is to just at least drink half your body weight in fluid, and again, 60% of that being from water. And a good way that I'll tell my patients, if you are not drinking enough fluid, your nose will know when you go to the bathroom. <laughs> okay. So if you pee and it's like meh, that pee is strong and then you look in the toilet and it's looking like really dark yellow and concentrated, mm-hmm. you're drinking enough fluid, okay? And the, and that water needs to help with that. So drink more water. Drink more water without a doubt. Um another thing that people need to know is fiber. People don't even know what fiber is, but it is entirely important for your food content to have fiber in it.
0: So there's so many different types of fiber too. There
1: there are. So if we just break it down to fiber in general, you want to have at least 25 to 35 grams of fiber in your daily diet. Okay. And there is soluble fiber and there's insoluble fiber. Insoluble fiber basically provides the bulk to your stool and allows um, the stool to go through your body a little bit faster while soluble fluid helps to provide like a, a gel consistency to your stool. So both of these type of fibers together are going to make your stool the perfect consistency. It's not like a little snake or a banana or a sausage. You guys are never going to look at those foods the same way again I'm nope. just talking about this. <laughs> but you need a good balance of those two types of fibers so that your stool goes through your body quickly as well as it's easier and it's formed.
0: What are some examples of types of fiber? Because I, I think that's where people get tripped up like, well, what do I eat?
1: Yeah. So easier ways to remember what is insoluble versus soluble types of fiber is that it's kind of goes in the way it comes out. So (laughs) if it's a little bit harder, more formed, like your breads, your rices, your cereals, that's going to be more of your insoluble fiber because that's going to provide that bulk for your stool versus things that are more jelly insoluble fiber would be your oatmeal and certain fruits like peaches and um mangoes. Mango, oh yeah, mango girl, right? Kiwis. Kiwi, so many different fruits. So many. Right. So there's a lot of different things that are going to kind of send you one way in terms of fiber, but you want to have a good balance of both.
0: Do you often recommend supplements? Like a fiber uh, supplement?
1: Well Honestly, no, not right okay. off that. Because I, I'll talk to my patients about dietary modifications to really get your nutrients from your food. Just eat the right things, kind of come in and show me. I have them fill out a bladder diary so I can kind of see all of their food. And instead of saying bladder diary, I should say diary, kind of looking at everything you, like your food eating, diary, drinking, a food diary, right? Mm-hmm. And I can show them, you know, you didn't really get enough fiber, but if you change and you eat this instead of this, for example, a piece of white bread might give you 0.5 grams of fiber versus a piece of whole wheat or whole grain bread might give you anywhere from two to four grams of fiber. So that's a big difference. Big difference. Get some for your buck, right? So try to least two grams of fiber when you're eating certain foods so that you're able to collectively add up to that 25 to 35 grams per day.
0: Yeah. I often recommend to my patients too, who have constipation issues. So I don't treat constipation by itself. So I normally get constipation along with some other diagnosis that I'm treating and I'll make just general blanket statements and recommendations and with fiber, because like I said, people get really tripped up. I'll just like mention like lots of fruit, lots of veggies, Mm -hmm. you know, try to combine it. Right. So if you're Mm -hmm. having like oatmeal is one, because you have water in there or milk, you have some sort of fluid in there. Plus Mm -hmm. the fiber from the oats and it's Mm -hmm. warm unless you're eating like overnight oats when it's cold, but Mm -hmm. it's warm and all of those things help to move things along. And then I'll even recommend soups, like soups with lots of veggies in there. Mm -hmm. You get the heat. Again, you get the fluid
1: and you get the veggies. So just to make it simple for people. Yes. Yes. Heat and again, that fiber are going to help to stimulate that natural wave that is necessary for digestion throughout the colon.
0: Is there anything that you do manually? I mean, I have some manual techniques that I use for constipation. Is there anything that you use in treatment?
1: So I'll do some mobilization of the tissues of the abdomen to try and stimulate that peristaltic movement of the GI system. And in turn, when I'm doing that for my patients, I'm not going to be with them at home helping them have bowel movement. So i don't No, you don't go home with your patients. No, girl. No, no, no. There's an extra charge for that. And nobody can pay enough money to be home with them. Okay. So, um, I'll teach my patients how to do manual techniques on themselves to try and um, reduce and eliminate their gas or ease their constipation system by helping to stimulate that wave and just get things moving through their body. And I'll often have them do this right after they eat to kind of Mm -hmm. capitalize on the natural reflex that's just having everything pushed down to make room for something else or um, they'll eat or they'll drink something first and then they'll do this massage. So I kind of have them do that at home to supplement my treatment that I'm doing with them in the clinic, because I mean, day one, I'm preparing for them to be by themselves, right? Because I want to empower you to be able to do these things at home without me and on your own so that you're independent eventually.
0: Yep. As much as our patients would love to have us home with them, we can't be there. We can't. <laughs> <Yeah>, we can. <laughs> I tell we them, can I tell my patients all the time too, like you need to be able to manage your symptoms
1: while mm-hmm. I'm not
0: there because I can't always be there for you and you mm-hmm. won't be here forever. It's only Absolutely. a few weeks or a month, at, you know, at mm-hmm. the most for most patients. So you mentioned, oh, so I also wanted to say the mobilization technique that you do, is it similar to the I love you massage? A lot of moms are familiar with that massage because they use mm-hmm. it on their babies. and They have gas or constipation.
1: Yes. Yes. So absolutely. It's very similar to that. Sometimes it is that for them mm-hmm. that people have areas that are really tightened up on one side and I want them to kind of layer it with that I love you. If they have dexterity issues and they have a hard time moving their hands, you know, maybe I'm only having them go, you know, in one direction and and not having to stack on too many different layers with I love you. There's also different valves that can be released throughout the colon, like the ileocecal valve, which is the junction between the small intestine and the large mm-hmm. intestine, and even the rectal valves, which are before, you know, before I get too much science, you know, we love to talk about this stuff, <laughs> but again, that's that junction between the sigmoid colon and the rectum. So sometimes these valves need to be stimulated for the patients because they're locked up for whatever reasons. Mm-hmm. And so- you teach your patients how to do that. I teach my patients how to do that, and and it has to be appropriate for them, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe somebody else might not benefit from doing that, but if it's appropriate for them, it's a great way for them to have a self management management technique to get themselves better, right? So you have to put the the fact that they're getting better in their own hands in some ways. yeah, exactly. Another important education factor that I'm still giving to my patients on day one often is toileting position.
0: (laughs) I'm laughing in my head because pretty much every patient that I see, I'm like, do it with me. Let's pretend we're pooping. (laughs) They're looking at me like, what?
1: What? (laughs) Are we pooping
0: right now? Yeah, Yeah. we're practicing. Do it with me. (laughs) We're practicing.
1: It's so important. I go and I get my squatty potty from the bathroom and I show them, they're like, a squatty potty? Yes, Yes, folks. Before Western civilization, people were squatting on the ground Mm -hmm. passing their load like that. Mm -hmm. um, Our bodies aren't meant to sit on toilets that keep us from opening our muscles. They're meant to kind of open and squat down. So when you can get a squatty potty in the bathroom, which is for those of you who don't know, a stool that kind of props your feet up. And allows your your knees to be higher than your hips. It can just open the anus and really allow for you to move, which is going to reduce your straining. Mm-hmm. If you have hemorrhoids, it's going to reduce that. It's just and less effort. It's less effort, and you know why does the bathroom have to be so effortful,
0: right? It doesn't have to be. I describe it? it to my patients as magic.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
0: magic, and plus yeah. the commercials make it feel like that, so
1: uh-huh uh-huh right it's just magic if you haven't
0: seen the commercials for the squatty potty just do yourself a favor and go on youtube and look at it because it will make your day (laughs)
1: well it will right i love those commercials they're awesome
0: they They are are the best i have a squatty potty in every bathroom in my house and Mm -hmm. anytime i go to any family member's house and they don't have one I let them know that I disagree with the fact that they don't have one. Yes, <laughs> I'm, yes, I'm not pleased with it because they should be having easier poops, even if they're not constipated. I'm like, but it could be so much easier if you have one.
1: Absolutely. There's so many ways to make poop come out easier. And that's, gonna, that's not limited to your squatty potty. That's how you breathe. hmm people underestimate how important it is to educate people on what straining is. So some people don't even know, right? So it's like, If your jaw is tightening and you are about to pass out (laughs) on the toilet, you have a problem. Okay. So if you feel it again, syncope is a big deal. (laughs) It is. (laughs) Seriously, that's the last
0: place you want to pass out.
1: And you're holding your breath while you're on the toilet. It's a telltale sign that you're straining. Or if you have hemorrhoids. Or if the only way that you can get your poop out is if you're turning red and then you have to use a laxative because you have to abort the mission because you spent so much time there not getting the poop out. Yeah, you're straining. So educating people on what that is and how to not do it by the proper breathing techniques is is a big component of my treatment with patients in the clinic as well. Yeah, I've had
0: a patient recently but not just not just that patient other patients have done it too yes. where i teach them how to bear down yeah most of the almost almost all patients do it i say okay bear down for me while i'm uh, i'm observing their pelvic floor and they hold their breath and i'm like ah. okay now try it as you breathe out look at how much more effective that is and they're like so i shouldn't be holding my breath when i'm pooping it's <laughs> like no You shouldn't be holding your breath while you're pooping. And the same goes for when you're pushing out a baby. And I teach my patients, you're going to practice pushing out the baby. And it's not even so much of a push. You're going to practice doing, you're going to practice breathing your baby out every day when you poop on the toilet, because it's Mm -hmm. the same. It's the
1: same same thing. thing. Yes. It's so important, especially delivering babies, having bad movements. It's akin to the same thing, except you don't. What's going into the toilet? You don't want to keep that. You want to get your baby out. But mm-hmm. the best way to do it is to lengthen those muscles. So when you hear people that are like, you got to have a strong pelvic floor to, you know, push your baby out or to get your poop out, your muscles don't actually, they shouldn't be contracting exactly. when you're opening them. They're the total it's opposite. It's the total opposite. Well, it's a lengthening contraction, right? Open. Yeah those muscles going in a different direction mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to contracting it and squeezing it
0: oh yes I've also had patients say they squeeze their poop out and I'm like okay now explain what that means and I know exactly what they mean <laughs> and you mentioned it before they're pinching off they're yeah. squeezing and they're pinching off and I'm like you have to relax don't there's no need to pinch anything off you just need to mm. let g- just let it go and it will mm-hmm. literally
1: just flow just let it flow. Let it flow. And then for those of the patients who can't actually relax, which is funny that you say that, Camille, um, those patients who can't relax because they're limited by the fact that their muscles are, quote unquote, tight, sometimes they need additional treatment that might be a little bit more, might be a little bit more targeted than some of the other manual techniques that I might be doing. So they might need to relieve their tightness in their pelvic floor muscles by working on it manually. Working with the pelvic floor muscles. Working directly with the pelvic floor. That yes, that means I might have to put my finger in a patient's anus or vagina, right? Because I mean, that's where the pelvic floor muscles treatment. are, yeah. Right? To be yeah. the most direct, I I have to be specific. And, and if those muscles aren't able to lengthen because they're in a shortened position, sometimes some of my treatment is going to be direct to where those muscles are at.
0: Now, you mentioned before exercise. Yeah. Are there specific exercises that you recommend to help with constipation?
1: I can't say specific because everybody is different, right? Mm-hmm. Person having constipation that comes into my clinic is likely going to be different from the next person. Um, who has constipation. So exercise is pretty much specific to them, but I will often recommend aerobic activity or any types of twist and turning exercises where it's almost like you're churning the gut, right? Trying to help with that movement and that wave of peristalsis by breathing deeply into the diaphragm and turning and twist and a lot of breathing that's going to help with that movement. Right, because the diaphragm is a big contributor to how our system digests.
0: People often fail to realize that <laughs> exercise plays such an important role in being regular. Like you have to move. You you have okay. to move, you have to twist, you have to turn, you have to squish, you have to you mm-hmm. just have to move your body. Absolutely. And, and that's flowing.
1: why you get things flowing. And that's exactly why I tell my patients, yes, this exercise, fiber, water all really really important factors in how your gi system is is getting things moving
0: so if someone has constipation right they're thinking well i've probably had this for a really long time this is my usual okay fine maybe i'll drink some more water and eat some more fiber how would you let them know or what would you say to them to convince
1: them that pelvic floor pt might be worth considering okay well That's always something that I'm going to advocate for, for my patients, my family. I'm talking to them about it at the dinner table. Maybe Maybe I'm not talking about the poop part, but I'm talking to them, letting them know how important it is because, you know, some people can educate themselves, as you said, and. And provide themselves with lifestyle changes like we discussed about before but for others that's not always going to be enough you know people need specific treatment that are tailored to them so if you've tried all these things and you still are contracting your pelvic floor muscles instead of relaxing them you know that's an indication that You're not necessarily coordinated in those muscles and maybe a physical therapist that treats the pelvic floor can help you re-educate those muscles so that you can get your pelvic floor muscles working with you instead of against you. And again, um, those patients who are more complicated in the sense by painful syndromes like irritable bowel syndrome, Mm. endometriosis, you know, vaginal tearing after birthing of your baby, or even Conditions like prolapse, if the organ is in the way and you need specific strategies and potentially, again, that direct manual care to the pelvic floor muscles as we've talked about, a physical therapist can provide that additional knowledge to give you that extra tender love and care that you need to kind of get yourself over that hump from always using laxatives or taking all these supplements and it not working. Um, what's the missing link in your treatment? Could it be stress, right? Mm-hmm. and is a big point. And it can affect the digestive system in so many negative ways. So patients don't know that. And when you have a skilled individual, it can be an excellent adjunct to everything that you're already doing for yourself.
0: That's a good point that you brought up, that constipation is not always just as simple as well, I need to just drink more water or I need to just eat more fiber. Sometimes it's complicated and there are many different layers and different things that come together to cause your constipation and you need someone with that knowledge to pretty much say, okay, I have an onion. Let me peel away each layer to figure out what is it that needs to be addressed and then Absolutely. empower the patient to let, allow them to figure that out and to recognize what is playing a role here and then mm-hmm. help themselves.
1: Yeah. Okay. That is so important. And, um, I always like to tell my patients also that, a pelvic health physical therapist is going to provide you with a conservative treatment as opposed to taking medications or just getting getting those hemorrhoids banded again and then going back again in two years and just instead of treating the source of the problem which is the patient as a whole a conservative method we should be that first line treatment to help patients do as much as they can before having to go to some surgery. Something or more, more invasive mm-hmm. or medical. Yeah, I think exactly. patients often fail
0: to recognize that before surgery or before medications, anything related to the pelvic floor or even the abdominals, a pelvic floor mm-hmm. PT can help. And patients Absolutely. don't realize that even though we were still sort of healthcare, you know, we're within the healthcare model or mm-hmm. some of us are doctors, that we're still a holistic approach. Nothing yes. we do involves Mm -hmm. medication, not, not that we're providing directly, but sometimes patients do need a little assistance from something. Sometimes they do need surgery. Sometimes they do need medication, but Mm -hmm. knowing how your body operates and having control as best as you can over that only helps the surgery and helps the medication to work better. Absolutely. So can you talk to us about constipation in children? This always fascinates me because I have three children.
1: (laughs) Oh my goodness. So it's pretty prevalent. Recent studies are showing us that 25 percent of visits to gastroenterologists for kids are because of constipation and it also accounts for like five percent of visits to just your general pcp when when the kids are going so it's Mm -hmm. it's common out there your your kids are often avoiding their urge to go because they'd rather play or um sometimes you know, they're embarrassed or they're scared of their poop, which is, which is crazy. It happens. It happens so it much. And they're afraid to go to the toilet. They don't want to miss out on anything.
0: Or it hurts one time and that and forever then they, they're afraid. Yes.
1: Yes. You took the words right out of my mouth. So yes. kids are easy to be conditioned to something. And then once that pattern starts, it's a little bit harder to break them out of it. Kids you have to treat that earlier because if they're coming in with constipation at a young age and it doesn't get fixed, there's a high likelihood that they're going to transfer that into adulthood.
0: I Completely agree. I always ask my patients who have like chronic constipation issues and have other layering conditions as mm. a result of that, I will yes. ask. Did this happen when you were a kid? Were there any doctor visits or emergency room visits Mm -hmm. or anything as a kid? And oftentimes they're like, Well, yeah, there was that one time my mom told me. And I'm like, Oh, so this has been going on for a really long time. As far Mm -hmm. as I'm concerned, every kid is constipated. I really think every Mm -hmm. kid is constipated Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. they hold because they don't wanna, as you mentioned, they don't wanna stop playing. Mm -hmm. Or even when they go to school, there are certain schools and teachers who will say, Now is not the time to go to the bathroom. You can't go.
1: And then that don't, drives
0: me crazy. What
1: if that, but what about the fact that they're on these huge toilets and these toilets aren't made for the size of our kids. Their feet aren't touching the ground, which is necessary for you to actually relax your pelvic floor uh, muscles. Yeah. The kids aren't getting everything out and they're having the push in the strain. And then the next thing, you know, they're ending up with constipation. Yes. The toilet is another thing I tell all my patients who have. Give me started girl. By yes. the
0: way, your children should not be <laughs> dangling on the toilet. Put them on the little potty on the floor. And if it's a pain in the butt to clean up, speaking of the squatty potty, they have a kid's version of the squatty potty, which is Mm -hmm. much higher. They can Mm -hmm. use it as a potty and then they can transition to the regular toilet and use that as a stool so that their feet are not dangling and their knees are higher
1: than their hips. (laughs) All of that. Yes. All of that is so important for your kids. It's setting the tone for their future. Yes,
0: yes, yes. They're always surprised. Like, oh, I didn't even think about my patients with kids. I didn't even think about my kids. I'm like, yes. Are they constipated? Mm. Now that you mention it, I'm like, yeah. See, and now you can fix
1: that. And you know what? Sometimes in children, um, it doesn't always manifest as constipation, right? It, these are the kids that are going every day, but they're wetting the bed. Yes. Or wetting the bed. Constipation yes. is a precursor to wetting. Bed-wedding, bed yes. Um, so they're wetting the bed. Maybe they're even smearing, right? So they're having fecal incontinence, just like that stool is going around to kind of get out. It has to find, a, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. There's a finds a way. <laughs> um, or they're leaking, or they're even having urinary tract infections. So yes. it's pretty common with kids that actually the source of their problem is to treat their constipation. And what do you know? all of those things go away. Correct. corrects.
0: I know. I, every time it. a patient or someone reaches out about my kid has this, my kid has that. I'm like, are they constipated? No, they go every day. Well, <laughs> that's, that doesn't necessarily mean they're not constipated. Here, try mm. these things and see what happens. And lo and behold, they don't yeah. end up coming to PT
1: hmm So, I mean, it's pretty much some of the same things I would tell my adult patients. Mm-hmm. You know, water is important for your kids, right? Not only water, you want to make sure that fiber intake is good. So, if they're older than 10 years old, they're going to be on that same kind of 25 to 35 grams of fiber. But if they're under that age, you want to do whatever their age is, plus five grams, and that's going to be their fiber intake. All of that stuff is really, really important. Their exercise, their breathing. We talked about the squatty potty and, you know, and not telling their kids, you know, you're having an accident, right? You want to get away from that type of language. Yes, it's Uh, negative and
0: it only causes them to hold even more when they're Mm -hmm. fearful that your reaction is going to be a negative one. They're embarrassed. They're ashamed. They don't want to hurt you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They just want to be better. So they want to hide things. And Mm -hmm. we want to avoid that because we want to empower our kids to be the best ones they can be. And and that means they need to poop too, just like us.
0: Yep. And um, (laughs) I will often share with my patients too. And I do this with my very own kids. Like I said, I have three kids. Two of them are potty trained. I've taught them fun ways to do breathing exercises. Just- Mm -hmm make it fun for them so that they don't feel like, oh, this is boring. I have to do this. I want to do this. <laughs> and I'll tell them like, okay, fine. If you don't want to do that, just sing a song. Sing a song. Because mm-hmm. that's breathing. Yeah. And then they've have to picked something it. they like. Yeah, mm-hmm. you have to disguise it. You, ha- you have to always make things fun with children or they're not going to want to do it. They're only going to hold even more because even more. they don't want to be told what to do. And they, they know that this is the one thing they have, they have control, over. control over. Yeah, girl.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You can control what they eat. You can control when they go to bed. But you cannot <laughs> control their body. Yeah. And so they know true. it. So it's very interesting that sometimes constipation in children can progress into adulthood.
1: Yes, without a doubt. Um, so we, we treat kids as young as age six and up who are having issues right because we have to give them time to develop the sense of their own brains how to go to the bathroom how to stop the urge how to control it we give them that time and the body should be about finished with that by age
0: six so people often surprised too when i say that you know kids might still have accidents at four Mm and five years old and it's really by age six where that should be no longer and they're like "What? that late Mm -hmm. i'm like yeah you can't scold a three-year-old for leaking and having Mm accidents
1: no you can't
0: it happens it does i mean of course you want to address the constipation but you don't want to scold them so you start seeing children at age six Mm-hmm. And the treatment is similar for adults. When you say it, the
1: treatment is similar, what do you mean?
0: With constipation,
1: as yes. far as
0: the, of course, the education, the exercise of water and the diet. Um, are you doing any manual techniques? I assume you, you're still teaching the, the mobilization or the massage. So-
1: A big part of it, yes, I'm doing manual techniques on my own on the patients when they come in the clinic. I'm doing a lot of exercise, but I'm also giving them some biofeedback treatment, which is what I can do with adults as well, kind of checking out what their muscles are doing in real time and letting them look at it on a computer so that they make sure that they're relaxing their muscles accurately or how do you know if you're contracting versus relaxing so you can have them say oh look when the computer does this that means you're squeezing and that's not what you want to do when you poop Mm -hmm. Um, and and there's different ways that it might be described to one child versus another depending on their age right their attention level and stuff like Mm -hmm. that Um, but it's so important that you have a parent or family member that's consistent coming to the treatments and being consistent outside of the of the clinic right Make sure that the school is letting them have their water bottle on their desk or making sure that the school is allowing them to leave if they have that urge to go to the bathroom because ignoring mm-hmm. the urge is a big contributor to constipation in all ages yeah. so it's so important that we have that going on and the carryover from the clinic into the home and into the school wherever the time at.
0: Absolutely. And I would even stress more the school because that's where it tends to get lost because mm-hmm. they just don't think to let the teacher know, let the school know. Like my kid has to be able to go to the bathroom and sometimes parents aren't even aware that there's a set bathroom time or period. Mm-hmm. And if they have to go outside of that time, the answer is often no. So
1: All right, a nice little note to my teachers in the nicest way possible. Please excuse my dear little, you know, Johnny to go to the bathroom whenever he needs. And of course, obviously, it's more formal than this. Yeah. The bathroom and let them drink their fluids. It's important for their care as a part of physical therapy. So that's the
0: one way that patients can, our parents can advocate for their children. Mm Mm-hmm. So, why do you think it is so taboo to talk about things like this in the general community?
1: Honestly, you know, people are so embarrassed, and it just it gives them a little cringe when you say vagina or shit or poop or you <laughs> fart next to them. Understand that it's a normal byproduct of digestion. <laughs> yeah. Everybody has a butthole, everybody <laughs> has a poop from it. <laughs> People are uncomfortable with so many things that are revolving around the pelvic region, and people have to get over that phase. So, if you're talking about these things more readily with your practitioners, with your friends, with your families, right? Put that shit on the table when you when you're having conversations at dinner, not necessarily yeah. even at dinner, right? <laughs>
0: you oh, cares. you mentioned before you might not Ooh. be talking about poop at the table, but I have three children. You it know? comes up at every. <laughs> it comes it comes up. we always end up talking about poop they're not it's very rare that we can get through dinner without talking about poop and when it comes up someone's like well there it
1: is (laughs) honestly i knew i was going to be some type of pedaling professional when i was in eighth grade and i told the whole class that i pooped out an alligator and it was coming out of the toilet at me i was in eighth grade do you know that oh my goodness comfortable talking about i'm like why are you looking at me like that (laughs) you don't talk about this stuff to your friends and your families
0: you, you are destined this is your destiny
1: long time ago uh-huh.
0: that's great well that that's what makes you so great about heat <laughs> or t- treating constipation i give you much props so actually I do enjoy talking a lot about constipation and mm-hmm. how to poop properly. I always tell people like you probably are not pooping properly. Let's talk about it because they're like, yeah. what do you mean I'm not pooping properly? Well, are you? <laughs> mm-hmm. What do you do? Can you show me what you <laughs> yeah. do? Yeah. And then you're like, yeah, that's a good, I didn't think about that. See, I told you you weren't pooping properly. <laughs> mm-hmm. So with all that you do, cause you are, you're a busy woman. What is it that you do For self-care, for yourself, because it's so important. I ask everyone because it really is important. The work that we do is so Mm -hmm. involved. It's so emotionally draining. Yes.
1: You have to do something for yourself. So what is it that you do? Well, self-care is entirely important. And I can honestly say there's never enough of it with the coronavirus out there, the stress of that in life, still having to go to work cooking, working, treating your patients, being 110% throughout the day is tough, but you can't leave out the self-care component in life. And and it's really finding things that are therapeutic to you, right? So for me, a a self-care day is looking like I'm waking up, I'm cooking because I enjoy that. I enjoy cooking Mm -hmm. a meal for myself and my family. I'm going to garden. I've got tomatoes and eggplants. I'm going to do things that I like. I'm going to make my boyfriend give me a massage while I watch my favorite <laughs> television show. Or maybe I'll have him sit next to me and you know, just watch with me because you know the intimacy that's involved with that is also great too for just relaxing and not thinking about anything. Yeah. And, and I try to figure that out with my patients because self-care is the best care. And I haven't really pounded or pounded on that link between stress and constipation enough. Mm -hmm. Because stress is going to give you that fight or flight feeling from your brain into your body at all times if you're stressed. And how is your body going to rest and digest if you are assessing when the next threat is happening? So stress can affect you so negatively that think I tell my patients, think about it. When is the last time you felt really, really stressed? You were waiting for a phone call. You had to make a huge decision, and the next thing you know, you felt like you were going to poop your brains out, or you are nauseous, or you became really constipated, all because you were stressed. And then they're like, oh, my God, why, why, does, why is there a link between that, right? It's your brain. It's your brain, right? Mm-hmm. It's crazy how your stress levels can impact your body, and digestion is one of the many, many ways – that stress is going to affect you. So, having a self-care model in place for yourself, for your family, and what you can do to kind of settle down, keep those things at bay, meditate, you know, breathe, listen to music—that's also a biggie for me because all I gotta do is throw on some Erica Badu, <laughs> Jill Scott, Shaday, even some jazz, and and I'm and I'm good.
0: That's good. That sounds fabulous. I was listening to Erica Badu the other day too. And I had gotten to a Jill Scott mood last week too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yes, self-care is so important. We talk about it in every single episode. What does self-care look like for you? Because Mm -hmm. we know how important it is as pelvic floor PTs. We know what stress can do to your body and Mm -hmm. how it can affect your symptoms. So I'm hoping that having everyone every guest share their self-care techniques that someone will think oh that's a great idea i should start doing this too and then we'll just start to give people some more ideas as to how they can take care of themselves to reduce their stress
1: and absolutely manage their own symptoms and well then don't forget taking a nice bubble bath Reading a book, um, coloring, color. Oh, my goodness, I have a nice little coloring book with like 124 color pencils and stuff. And I bought it for my siblings, but in reality, it was really for me (laughs) because
0: yes, I did the same thing as well with my son. I was like, I bought you a coloring book, but it's all flowers. Well, I'll just do it. Yes, well, thank you for sharing all of those tips and thank you for talking about conservation. It really really is so important and i'm hoping that someone benefits from hearing this
1: yes i agree thank you again so much for having me canela and anytime you want to talk about anything revolving alligators and poop (laughs) stories constipation treatment please give me a
0: ring definitely thank you again and take care (laughs) all right (laughs) thanks for joining us in the kegel room this week Be on the lookout for new episodes every other Tuesday on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, or Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, rate, or leave us a message. And as always, share with a friend or two. Until next time, sisters, may your pelvic floor be healthy and strong, just like you. Peace.